Hi everyone, Data Stories as usual with Enrico and Moritz. Hi Moritz, how are you? Hi Enrico, doing great, thanks. Um, data Stories number 10. Yes. Wow, we made it up to 10. I'm really, really surprised and excited. Uh, it's true that it's been almost one month since our last episode. Yeah, we need to apologize, uh, it, I think. We need to apologize, or maybe not. I mean, it's <laughs> it's yeah, it's getting harder and harder. I think part of it is the summer effect, and uh, and maybe I don't know the Olympic effect, the Olympics effect, Moritz. Possibly, yeah. <laughs> Possibly, I've, I've been working on a project that has been quite Olympic over the last few <laughs> weeks, <laughs> and it's for the games. And the last three weeks, I've basically I've only been working. It was crunch time. Yeah, and I could feel it, it from you. And we had a pretty fixed deadline with the opening ceremony, so <laughs> we couldn't really shift <laughs> anything around. Yeah, but I guess yeah. we will do a special one when when the whole madness is over. A special one, a special podcast on the project, I think. Yeah, it's one of those cases where you just have to ship it, right? Yeah, yeah. And we had a few curveballs thrown our way and not everything went the way it should have gone. And so it was... Yeah, a bit come on. It's, there stressful. is always Yeah, some... you don't see what's behind the scenes. <laughs> there are always some glitches here and there. So how is the feedback from the project? Good, good. I mean, um, although what we hoped we would make it sort of into the sports fan scene somehow but maybe it's a bit too abstract for that not sure mm. so it's as a couple of my projects it stays more in this design uh visualization scene and doesn't really go out of that so yeah do you do you briefly want to see want to say what is this emoto and give the link the url in case yeah we, we can just post the link yeah. yeah so it's called emoto and what we do is we track twitter in real time for messages related to the olympic games and then we analyze if they are positive or negative, and we try to visualize the mood around certain topics at any point in time in real time. And also try to um, do some more long-term analysis, like look at certain developments of individual topics and blog about that. So there's a little data journalistic angle on, the, on that side. And now we're working on a data sculpture. So it's a big piece, um, like individual plates, one plate for each day, and it will be milled and... Uh, with an overlay projection, it will be exhibited in Preston beginning of uh, September. Wow, it, it's it looks like a huge project. Yeah. How many people are working on that? I, oh, I it's guess it's not only tell. you, right? <laughs> no, no, it's so it's me and Studio Nand working on the design side. So that's four people, and the front end programming. We have Gerrit Kaiser, who is a back end programmer, and we have at Future Everything in Manchester the whole organization and the PR and the management, and that's another let's say four people part-time so it's a mm -hmm. big thing yeah yeah and are you one thing i wanted to ask you are you ex, do you have direct access to the twitter firehose or, or firehose or what no we use the garden hose so it's the one percent streaming api that everybody gets but okay. that's that's plenty that's plenty so that's i have plenty. on my hard disk as we speak 10 million tweets Wow. Uh, related to the games and these are just english ones and just the ones that have an emotional um classification so they are like positive or negative and they contain positive or negative terms right so it's just a small sample of the tweets we could have wow yeah yeah, yeah. good yeah a and you follow some a number of hashtags about the olympics or what yeah, basically we search for first for very generic terms like london 2012 olympics or 
Michael Phelps, you know, something like that. Okay. And so then, this is, I guess this is totally hard-coded, right? Exactly. That's one okay. query that yeah. we run against the Twitter API. And then within these results, we then try to split up by the different disciplines, the athletes, or topics like traffic and weather and so on. Cool. And this is what we work on. Yeah, but as I said, we, we, need, to, we need to talk more in depth about that by times. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Second big news, you are moving yeah, to New York. I'm moving and it's yeah. getting totally hectic here. <laughs> and I'm really happy to, to give this announcement for the first time in, on Data Stories. So we already have one scoop today. Uh, yeah, it's great. I'm actually moving to New York City and um, I'm becoming, I become assistant professor at NYU Polytechnic there. That's so cool. And Fantastic. of course, as you can imagine, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about it and it's a big next step. And this doesn't mean that I'm happy, happy to leave uh, from Germany and from Constance in particular, because I really love it here, especially now in summer. It's, it, it's an amazing place. And if you have kids, it's just wonderful. You can go around. There is a beautiful lake and it's, it's fantastic. But yeah. yeah you can do, do that when you're old. You have to move to New York now. <laughs> yeah, and actually moving so. from, from Constance to New York, I think it's going to be <laughs> a very interesting experiment. I'm, I don't know if I'm more scared or excited or both yeah. things at the same time. And I don't know what to expect, but for sure it's not going to be boring. <laughs> <laughs> I think so too. Yeah, and I mean, professionally speaking, I think New York, I'm really excited because I think New York is going to be I don't know, really, really special in terms of developing new new projects and meeting people. And, and visualization is so much developed in, in, in New York that I'm really looking forward yeah, to yeah. meeting lots of people there. I already exchanged a number of, e of emails with people that I always wanted to meet. And I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. And that's you should be come fun over, actually. Sure, I come for every data story recording every two weeks. I fly over <laughs> and we have a coffee. <laughs> we should start collecting some money in some way or another in order to organize this kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. So, and today, yeah. let's talk about today. Yeah, you know, this but yeah, just, we did, just this gossip. episode is yeah. not to talk about <laughs> ourselves. We just wanted to give a brief update, but we have a great guest. And Moritz, I think it's better if you introduce her for the first time. Yeah. I think it's great that finally we have a woman. That's true, <laughs> yeah. We should have more. For data Stories 10, we should have more, but uh, yeah, we're working on it. So our guest today is Stephanie Posavec. Hello. Hi, Steph. Hi, Stephanie. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm yeah. all right. You said already you're a bit, bit ill, a bit sick. A little, a little bit of a cold a little bit. in this uh, second winter we're having <laughs> in, in the warmer winter. <laughs> yeah. Moritz, Moritz oh, well. finally, yeah, yeah, yeah. eventually we have a sexy, real sexy voice in our, <laughs> in our data story, in our Oh, episode. that's exciting. Yeah, it's not the usual Euro, exotic Euro voices. No. Yeah, that, that's our usual <laughs> shtick, but um, Steph has... A, Steph, in turn, has a funny mixture of American and British accent. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah it's fun. Because you're originally from Colorado, I think? Yes, well yes. done, Denver, no, Colorado. Denver, exactly. And now Steph, I mean, probably all of our listeners know her work, but I still, I, I should mention, she's now living in London, is working as a, I would say, you have two jobs, right? You're a graphic uh, designer? Or yeah, you... I'm a graphic designer. That's what yeah. I tell everyone. But yeah. I so. 
I work with books and data. <laughs> exactly. But um but mostly um I I work with data from books. So there's a bit of crossover. Mm-hmm. But um I used to be a book cover designer and now I um I'm often uh design websites or books or book covers or information graphics or anything relating to data it's a mix <laughs> exactly but you started off like your professional career started at penguin yes where you were like doing the, the book cover design you, and then i quit to go freelance uh-huh. uh, almost two years ago so yeah and probably you I think you became famous with the literary organism, at least in the data visualization world. Yes, famous say. in the data visualization world. That makes, that's a quite a special achievement. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically like that's being... something. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I would say at least, I mean, you, you, you were noticed. And this was, I think, your master's um, Yes, project, yes, it was. Right? And, yeah. and what you did there, uh, if I can summarize that, is go through the whole of Jack uh, Kerouac's book on the road yeah, and hand annotate it, <laughs> which was like crazy. And you have these beautiful shots on your website with all this text marker, you know, annotations of the book. Yes. And you would classify sentences according to, I think, their content. Yes, yes. Or theme. the theme of the mm-hmm. book. Like there were a couple of key themes you identified and then you would look which sentence would support which theme. Yes. And then make these beautiful hand let's say I, I'm almost saying drawn I mean it's done in Illustrator but it has a strong handmade touch to it these different diagrams that that illustrate the structure of the book and highlight different properties like the sentence lengths of you know how far the sentences follow each other or the the chapter structure and stuff like that yeah got it very Is that good. accurate yes it's very accurate very good Yeah, and it's a beautiful project. And the funny thing is people are always like, wow, how did she program that? I mean, it looks so organic and nice. And then you say, oh, I didn't. Yeah, I did it by no. Hand and oh my like, no, oh my God. <laughs> and that's, I think, the unique thing about your work. That <laughs> Once you know how it's done, you get a huge respect for, for all the little mouse clicks that must have gone into it. Yeah, I know. It, and I should learn how to code. I've been saying that for about two years now. Yeah. So. Still didn't happen. No, no. I've started a little. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah, but it's good. I think that's that's what sets your work uh, your work apart, right? I mean. Yes, that's. I'm I'm going to use that as the base to do personal projects. I think the handmade exactly. aspect. Exactly. So. Yeah. 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 There, there is one thing that I wanted to ask to Stephanie regarding handmade visualization. Did you, did you ever give a look to... So actually, visualization started as a handmade craft. I was wondering if you take any inspiration from, from people who, I don't know, in the 19th century uh, used to draw their visualizations by hand. Or it's just something that you started doing regardless of what other people have done in the past. Um, I, I think I found a lot of uh, kind of those, uh, the 19th century visualizations after I became interested in, um, in this way of working. I, I think I just came across it because I came from a print background um, 
And so I didn't really know what was possible. So I was just working with what I had. So and what I had was just kind of my brain and my hands. Mm -hmm. I didn't know. Mm -hmm. So it was just like lots of, (laughs) and, um, you know, lots of time on on a master's. So I think it just came from not really knowing what was out there. Like mm-hmm. why I ended so, up working. So you like did this. not set out to say, well, everybody's like doing these fancy information graphics, and now my twist will be I do it by hand, right? Uh, yeah, I think because uh, because when I originally became interested in this, I sort of assumed that, oh well, when I start my design career, I'm just going to work at a really cool small design agency and design logos and I don't and brochures and brands and I never really uh I didn't realize that there was a place for the type of work that I was doing ah okay yeah mm-hmm. so it, it it came as a surprise to me to realize that people would actually pay me for that <laughs> I thought it was just gonna be a project I'd yeah. sit on and and that was it so yeah it's interesting because I mean you're not directly an artist at least in the art sense of the word you know like museums and galleries yeah. Although you have been exhibited, for instance, at MoMA and so on. But I think it has more a touch of artisanship or like craftsmanship. Yeah, I but think... But then it's a very freely, freely developed work too. So I, I, it's so interesting, all these different markets you have, all these different yeah, niches where you can work, actually. It's true. Yeah, I think, I think craftsmanship is probably a better way of describing it, particularly because people will ask me about my practice and that seems like a very art word and I don't feel very comfortable with using that so I think designer and craft feels um a lot better for me yeah 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 but still the like the the projects you're known for they're all or many of them are self-initiated so there's this sort of you know your authorship is quite clear there yes yes now the only problem problem is trying to do that self-initiated work um you know, while I'm working, which yeah. I still haven't quite figured out. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah. And now you call yourself a data illustrator, right? Yes. I, yeah. that's why I say I call myself though. It's, I'm still not totally confident enough to use it when I'm trying to get work, but I always put it in there next to information designer. Uh-huh. So they get the gist. But um, do you want me to define the term? Or yeah, yeah, I yeah, think it's an yeah. interesting angle. I was actually yeah. going to ask you, how do you define data illustrator? Um, well, I think, um, I think I need to label myself a data illustrator because, um, and I think this is actually just a step along, you know, I give talks and probably what I say I do evolves with every single talk I give at a conference so I'll probably change my mind next next talk but um, uh, it's just because um, when I would present my work um, people would uh, kind of hold my work to um, kind of the rigorous standards of data like more traditional data visualization or information design and I felt like there were a lot of ways that I used data that didn't really seem to that sort of meant that my work didn't really fall specifically into those two categories. So I think there needs to be another, um, there needs to be something called data illustration where you're using data um, just 
in possibly in a way to communicate uh, a more subjective emotion or you use data to fulfill a design brief where the data is a uh, is secondary to 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 another more important message it's just it's i'm just trying to find a way of, of explaining how i as a graphic designer like to use data to to sort of arrive at a design outcome and sometimes it is different than being being you know a strict data visualization or a strict information um, yeah, design yeah. Mm-hmm. thing. So what so, do you say? You know, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry, Moritz. No, I just wanted to to say that in a way, I, I really like the term because in a way it describes much much better a lot of, I think, a number of works that don't really fit into the label of data visualization. There are lots of things that I wouldn't directly call data visualization if they have the the alternative of calling these things data illustration. I think it's yeah. really, really really nice. I like it. Because I don't think it's, uh, I know there's data art, but it's just for me, I, you know, it's, it, this is how I arrive at the, uh, the kind of the very mundane thing of designing a CD or designing a poster or, I, I don't know, um, arriving at a solution for a graphic design commission or something. It's, it's not... I like that it's it's not lofty. It's not meant to be put on a wall in mm-hmm. every case. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, there's th- something to the term definitely that that captures quite well what, what you and, and maybe a few other people are doing, and and probably is some aspects of my work are the same. That I say, okay, the data is the one thing, but it's also important what happens expression-wise in the visualization yes. or what happens between the lines, right? And yeah, and, and what what is expressed beyond the pure data communication right yes and, uh, yeah so it's it's, it's what's a, beyond yeah. that i think is really interesting yeah so maybe traditional data visualization is more like photography like where you try to and not the art artistic type of photography but maybe trying to find like photojournalism a, a really one-to-one representation of reality something like that yeah and if you're an illustrator you try to bring or you you will often bring in more of your personality you take reality as sort of the starting point, <laughs> but you might get carried somewhere else, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's not style, because I, I think an illustrator probably would be offended if I said that, but you're right, it's their personal... There's a subtlety to it, where you're communicating things, but they're not as... Uh, um, not so easy to define yeah. what you're using to communicate that message. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's interesting. It, but is it also, I mean, I, I can see how you use the term to change the mindset of people judging your work in a way, you know, or the perspective, so they don't judge it with the same criteria. But is that maybe also a bit defensive in a sense that you say it's just illustration? I mean, that's um, a, a provocative yeah. question. maybe. But. Yes. No, no, it's not provocative. Um, it's, I think it is it it is a defense. It just because I'm you know like I've discussed before. I sometimes I do feel quite intimidated by the. I think people can be quite harsh critics when they're mm-hmm. dealing with data visualization and so on. And so, kind of in in order to um, kind of I don't know. To let to, to ask people to let me be. <laughs> <laughs> or like to prepare for it, no, it then it's, it's, it's a valid, valid tactic. Then then I say, well, I'll just yeah. make 
you know, my own definition of what I'm doing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so have you heard so, that argument quite often that, well, that's all very nice and colorful, but I cannot read anything from it? Or uh, I think your data encoding is not that accurate? I, I like have people um, I think criticized you? Well, it's more like, is this functional? <laughs> yeah, how does Can, this help How me? is yeah. this functional? How does this add insight? Yeah. How... Um, Yeah, is this functional? How does this add insight? Um, how is this better than reading the book? You know, <laughs> and <laughs> but in a way, I mean, let me let me let me say something. I think honestly, I, I mean, I have had huge debates about this thing on functional aesthetics and all this stuff, and whether the visualization community, if if we can really define one is is too critical or or if it's if it's too hard to enter into this into this world and so on and from the one end i i fully agree that there is a tendency to overly criticize uh, works but at the same time i think what we have here it's a nice story about because of this criticism you've been pushed to define your work in a different way and maybe come up with a label that is, is going to be useful for some other people. And I really like the fact that you are not pretending to frame your work into the, to the same frame other people use and just say from the very beginning, look, what I'm doing here, it's something I call differently. So if you, if you want to look at my work, you have to put another pair of glasses. Yeah. Is, it, is yeah. it correct what I'm saying? Uh, yes. And so, I mean, I think... Yeah, that is a good thing to come out of it. Though in the beginning, <laughs> when I was yeah, yeah. when f people were first asking me about my work, I think I kept trying to put it in a um, uh, yeah a data visualization point of view. But it has it has evolved. But I think now, yeah, I suppose the criticism has been very useful. And I think now I just realized that um, you know everyone is who they are. And so I, you know, I think what I'm interested in is going to be very different than what a lot of other people that work with data are interested in. And that's just the way it's going to be, I suppose. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, in other words, I wanted to say that I don't have a definite position on, on whether this level of criticism is good or bad, according to the angle I used to, 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 to look at it, sometimes I think it's it's good and sometimes I think it's bad. I think I think in a way I, I wouldn't like to have a, a situation where there's no criticism because criticism, even if it can be painful from time to time, it also helps developing this kind of new things. So I, I really I really don't know whether it's better to have what is the fine I mean what is the right point there, the middle point there. I mean, I think I wouldn't say that having criticism or even harsh criticism is necessarily bad. In a way, it can also, it has a function itself. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, um, like, I just earlier this week, um, uh, a collaborator and I showcased some work and we were, we got some very tough criticism, but they were, um, it was well-intentioned. So it, um, it was really useful. I'm happy we got it. I think the difference is, is when people are harsh critics without meaning well, you yeah, know, or maybe sure. they mean well, but they're, 
I think as long as you know somebody's on your side when they give you that harsh criticism, it's mm. okay. But if you feel like they are against you, then it's, I don't know, and when it's yeah, more yeah. confrontational. I mean, for a certain time, it certainly felt like the traditional visualization scene was offended by <laughs> how people use visualization. <laughs> yes. And I, I just recall, you know, Robert Kazara talking about lines in the sand and, you know, which side are you on? And <laughs> it a few years ago, it was a bit aggressive towards non-standard uses of shapes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think things are a bit more relaxed by now. And I think everybody understands a bit better what the other side, if it is, is up to. But I, yes. I, I, I can see where, where that uh, comes from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and I, I just realized the literary visualization. I mean, it's something that people haven't been doing before, right? I mean, yeah. that's the other thing, like the whole the whole goal or the whole theme is so different from what you would traditionally visualize. I, I just recalled, of course, Boris Müller, who was my professor in Potsdam, who has been doing all these poetry visualizations, poetry on the road. And also Stefan Thiel, one of his students who did the Understanding Shakespeare project as a master's thesis. So these were all very, let's say, I think if you work with literature, you have to, um, maybe you have to work a bit differently too, you know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's inherently, uh, you know, when when you're gathering the data from literature, yeah. that you're you're already putting your own personal stamp on how you categorize that data anyway. So yeah. I, but it'll never be perfect. So or maybe it will, but um, yeah, but it's no by no means hard data. You know? No, no. Yeah. So, so, and we have the same now with the tweet analysis. So we do have automated analysis of the tweet content and the tone, but in the end, it's very fuzzy data, and you have maybe you have to work in a very fuzzy and, and personal way with that to be more honest about the whole project instead of visualizing the precise values. I'm I'm fairly convinced that this is the way to go there. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nice, yeah, but I like how you like how you found that definition now and that term. I think the term is great too, data illustrator. So let's hope it helps a lot of like talents, you know, to say, yeah, that's what I'm doing, and this is why it's <laughs> why it's good. Yeah, it's important to to have this a proper profession. Yeah, <laughs> know what so, it is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Before we move to the next point, I'm I, I'm wondering whether Stephanie has any suggestions for I don't know. Let's imagine that among our listeners there are some novice data data visualizers, and maybe they are totally scared about the community. Do you have any suggestions for these people? Um, uh, talk to the two guys that run data stories. <laughs> <laughs> you guys all seem quite nice. Actually. That was prepared. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah they well. paid me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Euros easily earned. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and now we get all the emails. Yep. Fantastic. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Steph does great advice too. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, would, what would I tell people? Um, well, it's not as scary as you think. That I think... Um, I don't know. Oh, what would I tell people? I think it's... Um, Can you repeat your question? I'm not. I need to. I need to think of an answer. <laughs> so let's imagine that I'm. I'm sure that among our listeners, there are people who are data visualization novices. They are just starting, and maybe they are as well totally scared about reaching out to the large public because 
they see that there is a lot of criticism as soon as they put something out. So since I think you went through this painful moment and you actually, it looks to me that you solved it by just coming up with a new term and, and I think it was brilliant. Do you think there is anything you can suggest to these people how they should react to this kind of criticism? Um, oh God, what, how, what, when they get criticized and then, or just how to prepare yourself for it. I think, um, oh, I don't think it's very difficult. I, I think it's difficult for me to um, handle criticism online. Um, I think, I think the only thing I can tell people is that you have to let a lot of the online criticism go. <laughs> just because <laughs> yeah. like it's half of it is, um, is just because they're behind a computer and yeah, but if somebody's wrong on the internet, you cannot just ignore that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have to do something. <laughs> no, but you're right. I mean, just, a, you know, there's there will always be like funny comments to anything on the internet. So yeah, it's part it might as well be your work that gets a funny comment. And I totally agree. Don't get hung up on that. That's uh, Even though not I healthy. <laughs> I say this now, but there is definitely one person one person out there who who criticized my work in the beginning i won't say who it was yeah we want now we want the name oh i'll i'll tell you guys um after the podcast but it was that the one person that i just it's nobody you know but it it Oh, yeah. mm. Is he into bar chart? <laughs> um, no, no. It, I, I don't think it was a data person, actually. Ah, so. okay. Ah, okay. So, so but I just found it. Yeah, exactly. But um, I don't know. I think, yeah, you have to ignore. Um, it's true. It's better to have your work being criticized than other people's because that means that your work is out there. So I think it's, yeah. a, it's a reasonable trade-off. Though it does make you, it does remind you to not just criticize people's work without even thinking it through. I mean, there's sometimes I've wanted to say something about somebody's work on Twitter that might not be the most, um, like, you know, it might not have been good criticism or, um, and then I've actually just started to type it and then delete, deleted it because I know, you know, it's actually not really nice what I was going to do. So <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I remember reading some time ago a book from, I don't remember exactly who he was, but I remember he was one famous blogger and he basically called, it, it was nice because in this section he was saying, look, every time you put something out on the web, you will always find some vampires. Yeah. And you have to get rid of vampires. Mm -hmm. I mean, just, just don't care about it. They are vampires and they suck your blood just by writing catalyst sentences and and that's it yeah if only there was a button that you could press that would just make their post explode <laughs> or something right in front of you that would that would be useful yeah and hurt them a bit in the yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no it's a lesson to be learned i also got hung up on like on really senseless help not helpful discussions on Twitter and on blogs and rarely something productive comes out of it. I mean, in some cases it was also good to fight a few fights just to make us dance, but <laughs> after five times or so, <laughs> it's not funny anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Moritz, I don't know if you have 
another question ready yeah, for I mean, Stephanie? I, I, Otherwise, I have something I want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, it's a general point, more like, and it's something you said, I think, at IO maybe C conference. I've seen so many talks from you, Steph, I can't <laughs> even separate them anymore. You're my biggest fan. <laughs> yeah, of course, I travel after you. Didn't you notice? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're outside my house now, aren't you? Oh, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> uh, any, anyways, so one, th one thing you said, and I had to think about that a bit, like um, that, so that the time you spend with the data, you know, that it's not just because, so you don't just press a button and there's your big tree graphic, but you have to construct the tree yourself, basically. Mm -hmm. And that this time you spend and the, the effort you put in sort of gives the graphic more weight, basically, or more, I don't know, that it, this invisible time you dedicated might give it more value after all. Uh, and I found that really interesting because, I mean, there was this talk by Jer Thorpe last year about the weight of data, like that we should think about like what is behind the data. And, and Jen Lau gave it a similar talk at, at IO about data and memory. And so I, I was thinking about if you had any thoughts on this extra aspect that, again, what goes beyond the pure graphic, that the time you spend with something is alone creating value. Does um, that make sense or am I like totally? Um, it does make it make sense. I just need to think about yeah, how to very respond. Meta, very high level, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, You're getting philosophic yeah. here. Yeah, I shouldn't yeah. have smoked so much weed before the podcast, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I think there is something about the weight of data and then the process of engaging with it that um, like the reason I like to do things by hand or I, I tend to go towards projects where I have to engage with the data on a really intensive level. Um, I think data is really heavy, but in sometimes I think it's a shame when you don't know, when you look at a graphic and it was just a button was pressed and then mm -hmm. it just popped out in I think it's a shame when you don't realize how much like blood, sweat and tears went um, into kind of collating it and um, yeah, yeah. kind of put, bringing it all together. Yeah. I think it's, it's a cra I don't know, handcrafted data. I'm not really making any sense now, but I, I remember when I talked to IO, I talked about handmade versus computer made. It was like a hand knitted jumper versus a machine knitted jumper. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, they're different. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I mean, there's something in, there's a difference between the two, but we always lend more value to the handcrafted thing um, in many cases. So sure. yeah, yeah. because it's personal, because of the, the story personal. behind it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's something attached to it, right? It's not just the thing, but it's more. Yeah. And perhaps that also goes back to what you said earlier about how, um, you know, it's, it's kind of projects that work with data that go beyond the data. Mm -hmm. So perhaps that that bit of dealing with data is another bit of the beyond. It feeds into that that beyond that I like to look at. Yeah. yeah. I guess. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. And I, I think if you're very much into code and statistics and numbers, you know, you might forget occasionally about this what stands behind the data. And if you actually take your time and think about each number and how that number came about, I think you you might develop a different relation to, yeah, the the, the truth behind the, the data, actually. Um, one more question. When you work, like, how many decisions do you make on the fly? Like, do you have, 
let's say, an idea for a graphic in mind before you start and then you just execute it more or less oh, well, like, if like I, a robot? Or do you make, make the graphic up as you go along? Um, oh, uh, if you mean if I'm kind of doing it all myself? Yeah, or let's say the, the Kraftwerk poster. Oh, that one. Um, hmm. I had an idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, oh, this, this Kraftwerk poster, just for anyone, it's, um, it represents the, um, to scale the amount of cassette tape needed to record Kraftwerk's computer world. Um, so, uh, for that, um, that one, I knew I want, wanted to represent the entire amount of cassette tape needed, but I wanted to make it look interesting, so I made it spell out computer world in letters, this never-ending uh, length of cassette tape. It's or like a, a labyrinth, basically. It's, like it's a labyrinth that, yeah. that if you draw a pencil upon, or trace your finger upon it, you'll, you'll trace your finger along the entire length of tape needed to record that album. Um, and then yeah, I spent a lot of time. It's a real type, but how how do you do that by hand? Like match the length and have um, a real typeface. You know, it's like I started to crazy. work through it and illustrate. <laughs> how did I do that? I don't remember. Is that weird? <laughs> <laughs> Probably it took you two weeks without sleep, and <laughs> this is why you can't remember. So. Oh, oh, okay, no, no. <laughs> I use, um, you can determine length in Illustrator of, uh, of lines. So I kept creating them. Um, and then I would like, uh, kind of trace through it with a, um, a pen line in Illustrator and then okay. I would figure out the value and then I would make all of my letters and then, um, add it all up. And then if it was too high or too low, I would begin to add more, um, like loops and turns ah, cool. in the, in the yeah. library. So you first did the outside. Yes. And then you, you noticed, okay, I only spent like 20% of the tape so I can do a few more loops inside. Yes. Yeah. Ah, it's good thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And then Makes the sense. way that yeah. I, I added, um, added all of the, because you can also see by, um, every minute is marked out on this mm -hmm. labyrinth for, um, where you are in the recording. And I did that by, again, making a tool um, that had um, one inch or 25 millimeter um, dots set 25 millimeters apart. Mm -hmm. So I used that to measure and use, um, I'm not making any sense, <laughs> but basically just lots of kind of really wonky ways of using illustrator mm -hmm. so <laughs> yeah, that's what i figure <laughs> no but it's amazing but you have like let's say you have a rush visual idea but you still develop the details as you go along right uh yeah or if someone i mean if i ever work with anyone else um if it's something that i can't um if i need someone to develop it for me then i usually end up sketching or creating like the graphic rules the parameters of how you visualize that data i'll do that mm -hmm. in illustrator and mm -hmm. maybe i'll i'll do it with a little bit of test data so i'll begin to understand where the high point and the low point 
low points within the data fall and sort of what distribution and mm -hmm. what, what the data looks like. And then, yeah, create the designs based upon sort of how the data looks and feels okay. and then test it and then give it to someone to code. So I'll, set the, I'll send them a series of PDFs um, that are ridiculously instructive, telling them percentages of shapes and colors and if this, then that, if this, then that. So it's like writing a program, but it's just all done in PDF form. <laughs> like, nice. In a really annoying way for a, an, a developer, I'm sure. So, so Stephanie, I'm wondering, is there... Are you able to describe to us whether you have some sort of predefined process that you normally follow? And uh, I, I'm I'm sure that our listeners would also like to to have more details about the tools you use. Oh, okay. Um, well, if I need to visualize something, um, what will I do? I'll I'll get whatever data I'm working with, um, and I'll try to. Even if uh, people don't have all the data at that point, I'll try to ask questions about, like I said before, you know, what I figure out what are all the points that I need to rep what what are all the different types of data I'll need to represent, and then I'll um, ask who I'm working with, who's giving me that data, where the high and the low points are, what what the range is. Um, for a particular type of data. Um, and then I'll start to think about, um, is there any way that I can use color? I mean, is there a metaphor for for this data? It, mm -hmm. You know, is there a, a way of converting it to form where the form, um, I don't know, adds more insight to its message? You know, um, so like from... Um, this OK Go album artwork that I've done um, because the I was dealing with text that dealt with um, rainbows and the spectrum of light and diamonds and mountains. And so diamonds and rainbows and circles and um, prisms and those were the shapes that I was using in um, the ideas that I was coming up with. So... And then I'll start to sketch um, on paper with pencil how, how I think that data could be represented. Um, and then when I'm happy with some pencil sketches, I'll start working them up in Illustrator. Um, and then at that point, I'll probably show a client or whoever I'm working with and then choose colors and figure out what data I can attach to those colors. So do you show the client alternatives or is it more like, okay, this is what we're going to do? Uh, no, I don't have that level of uh, confidence. So I'd probably show them four or five options. Okay. Uh -huh. And these so, are really different options. like. Yeah, well, hopefully sometimes um, maybe three main options and then mm -hmm. a couple more that I'm, I can't bear to throw away. Yeah. yeah. So, so does it mean then, that in the intermediary step of your process, you're, Can you hear me? Yes. Stephanie, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought I had a, I had a problem. Um, I was wondering, does it mean that during the intermediary steps of, of this process, you are 
never representing the original data with your visuals? Um, yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's interesting. And then what, I guess, sometime when you arrive at the final step, when you, when you get to the final step where you visualize the real data, you might find that there is a mismatch or something or not? Yes, oh yes. If, um, so then at that point, in an ideal world, um, if, because, uh, um, yeah, because sometimes um, I don't think there's, a, there's time, but if ideally, then I want, um, want to see what that data looks like and then work with the developer to possibly change colors or shapes or the scale of various um, yeah. aspects. So then, so then it's right, so then it's correct. But usually, and, and then, like I said before, you know, before I do that, I hand this PDF document um, where I just sort of pick apart my graphic and I basically visually and with loads of text show them every single visual rule and what type of data is attached mm -hmm. to it. Mm -hmm. So I do basically, yeah, I write them a set of rules. It's just that because I can't translate that into um, code. It's kind of, I need that person to do that for me. Okay. And do you ever try to, so once you have the data in your hands, do you ever try to first give a look to this data in a way that, I don't know, with simple diagrams, using software like Tableau or anything similar, just to make sense of what are the distributions there or whether there is anything that you you might want to put in focus on, um, on the later stages of your project? Yeah, yeah, I will... I will do that. But then sometimes, you know, sometimes people ask you to do things before they're giving you any real data. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, sure. sure. So, sure. um, so, which I feel like I tend to do, um, more projects like that than, uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. than the other way around than having all the data, um, up front. So, but yeah, no, I'll try to find tools online, like, or even just Illustrator, and just dropping things in the spreadsheet or Google just to understand what I'm dealing with. But Yeah, and sorry, Moritz, can I ask sure, another question or you have no, something urgent ahead. that you want to ask? It's getting more and more interesting. I'm really curious about that. And so you initially mentioned that you, you would like to, to learn how to code. And um, why do you want to do that? I mean... Couldn't you just continue doing your work that is really brilliant without coding? What um, do you think would be the advantage of being a coder? Um, it would just be uh, good to automate a few things. <laughs> yeah. Sure. You know, even mm, just... Because less tedious, I, I could imagine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then also <laughs> because um, just to understand what is possible with code. Yeah. So maybe I don't need to code, but I would... I'm what I'm trying to understand is what is possible. What can someone do for me? You know, what, what, what can they pull off the internet? How can they grab all these? Where can, just how you do it, what's possible really. So, yeah, or sure. just the little tools to speed me along. I think, you know, sure. counting words gets old after a while in some cases, but yeah, makes sense, makes sense. Yeah. And did you already choose any specific 
I don't know, programming language or environments or anything like that? Or what, what I would be interested in using. I've tried processing and, um, but I mean, I, I do work with like my brother-in-law who I've collaborated with. I mean, he's used R and processing to um, okay. yeah. create the visuals that we've both collaborated, collaborated on. Um, so, yeah. I, yeah. This is exactly what I would suggest. But I think Moritz doesn't agree with me. Oh, processing is good. I mean, I, I actually suggest I think the combination R, R and processing, processing yeah, that's a bit awkward. Is, is just perfect. <laughs> oh, well, it I love just... it. I mean... Uh, I, I would rather go for, I, I don't know, Python <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> Python Tableau and D3 or so. That's probably my magic See, at the moment. No, but I, uh, definitely right. what I suggested actually is Scriptographer. And so it's a it's an Illustrator plugin that allows you to write JavaScript, but referring to mm -hmm. Illustrator graphics. Yeah, I I downloaded that and um it makes sense now as a graphic designer, I understand how people are making certain yeah, yeah certain things, certain graphic elements now. No, it yeah, looks yeah. good. I just need to learn how to write JavaScript. No, it's true. Some of the demos in Scriptographer, you see them and you're like, ah, I got it. How this post came about or how this, you know. Yes, uh, exactly, exactly. About. Yeah. No, and it's, it's, it's nice and simple and you can just, I think it's a nice, I think there's so much power in this combination of automation and manual work, you know, to do it. Or to find uh -huh. a, a smart combination there, and, and scriptographer could be something where first you do something by hand, and then you have the program generate something in addition, and then you tweak it again by hand or something. So these workflows, yeah, could exactly. Work quite nice. I haven't tried it. Or then you extent, trace it all out. It could work with a pencil. Yeah, turn it, convert it all to pencil. <laughs> exactly. Spray it something like around. that. <laughs> have the machine sorted again, and so on. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's interesting. This this whole handcrafted thing is 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 uh, it's very fascinating and uh, and and I think a very powerful paradigm. At first, it sounds so tedious and so not so. Powerful, it's a little bit tedious when you see the outcomes. <laughs> you, know, you realize, I think, I, I mean, if you have an eye for that, then you realize that there's this this quality you it's which is very hard to achieve by programming alone. Once you, once mm -hmm. somebody has laid out something by hand, yeah, 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 and I agree. What is even more interesting is this mix between having a tighter collaboration between the machine and the human. I think we are still very far from having optimal, optimal tools that help people find the right balance between asking the machine to do one part of the of the game and the other part is more yeah. manual. And and make it flexible enough to to have a some sort of dialogue with mm -hmm. the machine. Mm -hmm. I think this is this is probably one of the next uh, big big steps. Mission yeah. cyborg, you mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Got it. No, but it, it's true. It's true. I see it all the times. I mean, the limit of machines is that they are, in a way or another, they are they are not flexible and they cannot really capture subtle things that for us are obvious, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think there's no way to let machines... I mean, I don't want to open a can of worm, but I think machines will never do some of the, thing, the things we we are able to do. So the best way is to find the right, the right way to have a dialogue with the machine, sure. right? 
everybody does what he or she does best and <laughs> you know, we work together yeah. and so on. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think you mentioned something similar in your IO talk. Uh-huh. I, th- I think you, not, not exactly that, but you mentioned that in one of your projects, I think this one, it was the one from Max Planck, there are things that you had to do manually because you weren't satisfied with the look and feel of oh, the... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Of the no, the, the World Economic Forum visualizations. Yeah, there we actually tried to do something like that, that I would give the experts a tool to work with an automated layout and they could explore all yeah. the possibilities that this automated layout gives them based on the constraints of the data, but they could still pick the one that would fit their mental model best. And then I would take that and make a manual layout based on that automated one, which is much more, you know, much more readable and looks much more balanced and nice. So, yeah, I think there's a big potential in these ping pong between, you know, doing automation and then something handmade and back to automation and so on. And I think it's the same the same idea behind the uh, what is called this um, memorial thing done by Yertorp. I think you mentioned yeah, that. Yeah, the as well. the, um, the layout of the names for the 9/11 memorial in, in New York was done in a yeah. very similar way. Yeah. yeah. So they first they had these yeah. they solved like a big chunk of the problem already. So the idea was to lay out the names so that people who knew each other would be next to each other or, you know, who worked together. And so yeah. it's an optimization problem. And and at the same time, they felt they, the, the, the last 10% or so, you know, cannot be done by a machine but have to be solved by hand. So they developed that tool that would first do an automatic layout and then all the problematic rest would be solved with human thinking. And I think that's a strong approach. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's exciting. Computers, humans, yeah. everything. Yeah. <laughs> we we could close with a few more examples of hand handcrafted data visualizations we liked. Or is there anything, mm-hmm. Steph? Any, anything you want to talk about? Um. Any shout outs? Any um. Any shout outs? Hi, mom. <laughs> I wonder she'll where you she'll are. hear this. I'm sure. <laughs> well, I'm sure she'll radio, find it. Is. Yeah. Hi, mom. <laughs> She'll find it. That's all. That's my only shout out. Um, yeah, that's it. No, I'm, I'm working on a handmade project and um, it's taking a very long time. So uh, I will let you guys know. You'll be the first to know when I have it finished. What is it about, roughly? Um, it's about words in sentences. Ah. <laughs> Um, and lang- language and grammar. Arbitrary sentences. It's a very specific sentence. Okay. Um, hmm. I'm I'm not ready okay. yet. I'm not ready. Okay. So you're gonna <laughs> hand knit tech clouds, basically. No, 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 <laughs> no. Something a little bit better than that. <laughs> Don't say tech clouds. Some people don't. <laughs> I wonder if anybody <laughs> does them anymore. <laughs> Probably somewhere. It'll be somewhere an ironic thing. A tech cloud in a presentation right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, a few projects I liked. So, yeah, so Gretchen Nash, she did something, I think also for her study. It was a study project, I think. But what she did was um, she took uh, her diary and analyzed how often certain words occurred. So that reminded me also of how, how Steph works. So she went through a, 
a very personal text and analyzed it by hand. And then she made like paper-based diagrams, but out of cardboard and glued them together and made these little sculptures. And then took again photos of that and made a book out of that. <laughs> so that's a sort of a twisted way to come to a data <laughs> representation. But the results, you know, they have this really, this warm and nice feel and this unique style. And so I was always really impressed with that project. Yeah. So we'll, we'll put the link in the show cool. notes so you can take a look at that. And Steph also suggested somebody sure. we also met at IO. Have you talked to her, Steph? Um, no, I didn't yeah. get it. I didn't get a chance to see yeah. her talk either. Yeah. But so it's I'll Natalie have to look Miebach. at it on online. Yeah. Natalie Miebach and she does data sculpture, you could say. And it's yes. based on weather data often. Oh, that's my impression, at least. So it's about climate and weather and it's like basket weaving techniques and pearls and beads and it's crazy. Um, but I like it because, it, you know, she actually has to touch mm -hmm. the data she's using, you know, spending so, so much time making her sculptures. Yep. I think it's this nice when, you know, you get to touch, people touch and kind of directly work with the data that they're yeah, looking yeah. at. No, and she's really like, I mean, so. you do it in Illustrator, so that's fairly mediated, but she's really like making sort of a data basket and like has it in her hands. And probably that's, yeah, the sculptural aspect that's... The furthest Hello? you can go there with the handmade. <laughs> That's absolutely right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, her, her talk is oh, great too. I, I saw it I on keep, Vimeo. I keep losing so you both. I can only recommend that. We will link it. Hello? Still there? Um, I yeah. am here. More, it's Stephanie. Uh, the line is getting very noisy not great, here. Yeah. I cannot yes. hear you anymore. Yeah. That's bad, but then again, we can also you wrap it up. You don't hear me because I, mean, I'm, I cannot ah, hear you. Enrico cannot hear as well. So Probably we can also wrap it up. I mean, one last thing I would like to mention is um, data, data sculpting-wise. Uh, we had this episode on food and data visualization, and I, I was mentioning this one workshop idea where people would actually cook data representations or produce like dishes based on data and we actually made that happen and so in September there will be in the context of the open knowledge uh, festival there will be a data cooking workshop and so you can uh, you can register on the site and it would be great if, if a few people would register there are still open spaces so unfortunately Skype is now breaking up a bit so um Maybe we try recall or we just wrap it up here. I'll, I'll see if I can reach the other guys for a second call. One second. Hello. It's getting better. Let's wait for a moment. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear I you now. I can hear you too. So. Oh, now I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Skype getting is getting better. worse and it's also during daytime often. I, I You know, in, in the evening. Maybe we should try with the Hangout. Yeah, maybe next time Hangout. Yeah. yeah. Next time. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know how to recover from that. I can just uh, cut it out. I, I hope I can cut it out. I mean, I, I, in the meantime, while I was offline, recorded this open data cooking advertisement for the workshop. So uh -huh. <laughs> that should be fine. And then we can, I think we can just wrap it up. Yeah. I think we yeah, can. And I will cut out the part where we sound like robots. I mean, we don't hear that because yeah. hopefully, I mean, it shouldn't be in the yeah. recording, so. Yeah. I think you should leave it all in there, like just 
whatever you want to say. <laughs> like, hello, 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 hello. Can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in the in the outtakes um, section. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the, no, that was great. I mean, okay, anything let's, else? Let, let's wrap yeah. it up. Yeah, actually, I had one last question yeah, for Stephanie. And it's whether I have a whole new apartment to furnish and I wanted to hang some beautiful illustrations around. Uh -huh. um, I was thinking about taking something from your work. Uh -huh. And um, I think I can print it somewhere, right? Yes, yes. Uh, you can print it on ImageKind. But yeah, um, on the imagekind.com website. But I can send you a link. Okay. Um, and I, I, I probably have a more up-to-date, it depends on what you want. I have a more up-to-date version of some of the graphics. So. Okay. Do you have a discount for friends? <laughs> um, you for an well, interview? <laughs> um, well, let, let's talk over email. I don't, <laughs> yeah. well, no, it's, we'll, we'll it's do, okay. we'll, we'll do email, but I, I don't, If I get if I get thousands of people emailing me after they hear data stories asking for a discount, I'm going to be very angry. Loads of new friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a trap. My inbox. No, but really, I'm serious. I'm really thinking about. I I would really like like to start hanging visualizations around, mm -hmm. and um, I think I would start from some of your drawings. I really like them. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, email me. I've already got a, guys... a thousand, a thousand emails in my inbox asking for a discount now. <laughs> already. Do you guys have any of these visualizations on your apartments? Uh, no. I, no. Moritz, do you have yeah, any visualizations? Yeah, yeah. So behind you? me, there's a big poster by Lust. You know Lust in Holland? They are crazy. Uh, no, no, I actually yeah, they are don't. Great. I mean, they, they are also in between generative design and and data visualization, so it's a borderline activity again. But uh, they made this huge, okay. it's really big, poster of the North Sea, and it's like small multiples all overlaid, all different kinds of information about the North Sea, so that's behind me. And the rest cool. is my own work, <laughs> mostly. <laughs> I have cool. to admit. It's a little self-indulgent. So, uh, a little self-indulgent. Exactly, I like to be yeah. Yeah. surrounded um, by, yeah. by great Narcissist. <laughs> I, 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 only don't, I, I don't have any, only because our flat's too small, but um, we're trying to move, so, okay. so uh, next place, yeah. hopefully. So there will be more space for base there. We, 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 should, um, yeah. we should all well, have much more posters. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yes, yes. It's image kind. Can you recommend that? Um, it 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 does mm -hmm. okay. Um, I think it's the best um kind of on demand art print site. Exactly. Yeah. Um, out there yeah. because I I don't need to hide infinite posters under my mm -hmm. bed like I'm doing yeah. now with mm -hmm. another print. So. And I mean, I haven't had any complaints and you can print on high quality paper. Yeah. So I also looked like a year or two ago for like on demand prints and you know how that would work. And I also had the impression ImageKind was the best service. I mean, the downside for Europeans is that it's based in the US. Yes, it's very expensive yeah. these days, isn't yeah. it? But now But we have a US connection, right, Enrico? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I get a fee for exactly. Anything, so if you so. fly back and forth, you have to bring loads of posters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very good. So yeah. that that was great. Stuff. Good. It was great having you. But, yeah. Great. 
a worthy guest for our 10th uh, episode, I would say. Yeah, oh, thank yeah, you. I really Probably. liked it. Yeah. Thanks a lot. And uh, I hope to meet you all guys very soon yeah. somewhere around the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and if you want to come to New York, please yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. We will. We will. First, yeah. We have a couple of seminar rooms we can use for giving awesome. talks. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah, you have to keep us updated on how it goes. Maybe you should start a will, Enrico Goes to New York blog or something like that, or a Tumblr at least. Yeah, you know, like actually, yeah, I should stuff. mention that I plan I plan to revive Fell in Love with Data at some point. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And yeah, the main reason why it, I was so silent is basically because I was working on this whole, whole sure, thing sure. and it was just crazy and it's still yeah. totally hectic. But yeah, yeah but I'll be once, back. Once you live in New York, you will have plenty of time. Like everybody in New York. Of yeah. course. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm not worried there. Yeah. yeah. yeah neither. <laughs> Okey-doke. Was great to talk to you. Okay. Then. Thanks, Steph, Good. again. And Thanks. Talk soon. Thanks to you yeah. both. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.